You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. If you haven't listened before, then welcome to She Said What. My name is Alyssa. I am making today's episode because there are so many things that we did not learn in school that we sure as hell should have learned. And this episode is 12 Things I Wish I Knew About Sex in High School. I made a TikTok, actually two two TikToks this week around this subject and everybody was like so into it and was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I needed this. Or, oh, I wish I had this too at one point. Um, or I just learned something. And, you know, people were adding comments like these are all the things I would add to this. Like it really was a huge conversation this week. And I thought, let's make it an episode because I think we all missed the talk in a sense. And maybe some of these gaps have already been filled for you in one way or another, but I'm sure there's going to be something in here that you're either going to learn or you're going to feel more confident in after hearing about the conversation around it or you're going to feel less shame around. And that is really the purpose of this podcast is to reduce shame and to help educate and to help inspire you and to help you feel like you can step into who you really want to be in your life in general and also within who you are as a sexual being, within your sexuality, all of those things. So I'm so happy that you're listening. If you don't already follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, then do that so you can get notifications on when new episodes come out and all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for sharing last week's podcast. I got so many like stories and things that popped up on Instagram and I just think it's so powerful how you guys will reach people that I don't reach. And I just think it's, it's really, really great. If you learn something and you get something out of it, um, even just posting out in your stories and showing that you are someone who people can talk to about these kind of subjects, I think is so important. So thank you for doing that. Like I've literally had people post episodes about bisexuality and have been like, I'm too scared to come out, but like I'm sharing resources on my story and like hopefully people get the vibe. And I just think that's so sweet. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for doing that. And last but not least, before we get going, we have a Facebook group now. If you don't know about the Facebook group, oh my God, get on the Facebook group. It's so cute and so fun. It's a place where we all get to come together and chat about things that we talk about in the episodes and also just chat about life in general and get some support from each other. There's a few of us on there now. It's like almost a hundred of us, I think. So it's, it's a little group right now, you know, but we're growing and we are doing a book club actually in November. It starts in November. And if you want to join the book club, there's still time you can join. Um, this episode will be going up on Monday 24th. So you'll have about a week from there. Um, and we are reading In the Flow by Alyssa VT, which is all about tracking your menstrual cycle and learning about how to track and fit your life in with what your hormones are doing, which we'll actually talk a little bit about today. Um, it is so powerful. This is a book that has literally changed my life. Like it has changed the way I eat, the way I exercise, the way I do my relationships, my sex life, everything. And it is just so, so powerful. So if you want to jump in on that, jump in on that. You can message me on Instagram, um, to get the link to go to the Facebook group, or even just look up, she said, what podcast group and it'll come up there. So that's everything from me. Let's get into today's episode. What was that you said? You want to hear an update on my week? Oh, that's so kind of you for asking. Well, (laughs) this week I have, what have I done really? Mm, You know, I have not done much. I really have not done much. I've just been chilling out, but I I do this and I say this at the start. I swear I say this in every episode where like I'm super social one week and then the next week I'm like, I'm out. 
I'm out. I'm done. I don't need anything else. And so today was an off week, <laughs> not in a bad way, just in like a I'm, I'm hanging out with me and me alone kind of way. Um, the book that I've been reading called, oh God, what was it called? The Courage to be Disliked. Yeah, that's it. I finished reading that. So that was really nice. And now I'm on to my next book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. So I'm really excited to be reading that. Also a huge recommendation if you are a vulva owner and you're curious to learn more about like just desire and the way that your body works around sex and to feel more empowered around your sexual life. It's really, really, really cool. Um, The whole thing around it is like science that will transform your sex life. That's like the premise of the book. So it's, it's really, really great. Um, that's been me. That's basically it. Yeah, that's it. Let's get into it right away. Okay. 12 things I wish I knew about sex in high school. Maybe I'll just give you a little background of what I, uh, what my sex education was like in school. So I'm not going to say it was terrible. I grew up in Canada. I currently live in Sydney, Australia. I've been here for four years, but I grew up in Canada and we, in grade like maybe seven, eight, I remember our gym teacher who was like this big, like man, like strong, scary man. I kind of had a crush on him in like a weird, like daddy kink kind of way, but also he was so scary, um, which is usually how that goes, you know? Um, and I remember he gave us this like like he showed us this video on like beauty standards and stuff. And that was actually really good. And he was so cute and the way he talked about it and was like, you know, really good in that sense. Um, we obviously didn't learn anything about sexuality. We didn't really talk anything about sex. Like we really didn't talk. I don't think we talked about sex at all before high school. And then in, I think it was grade nine or 10, we had to do like a health course and it was like, they would, you know, say, we're not doing gym or what would you call it? Phys ed. We're not doing phys ed. Um, for the next four weeks or whatever it was, we're doing health instead. And everyone was like, Oh, here we go. The health unit's coming up. It was like a big deal. Right. And it was, it was pretty decent. Um, it was very much like, I would say abstinence based. I went to a Christian high school, so it was kind of like, you know, don't have sex, but the actual teacher that we had was really good. Um, she was just really funny and really like, like she didn't make it weird. Like she was so funny and normal and we all really liked her as a teacher. So that helped a lot. And I like vividly remember we had this, like, you know, those dildos where it like clamp, like sticks onto something like it has a suction thing. She had one of those and she took it out of a box and she stuck it onto a desk. And then she taught us how to put a condom on it. Isn't that hilarious? She was like, you need to put the condom on. Don't let him do it. You never know if he's doing it right. Do it for him. Make it sexy. It was so funny, which I mean, not to say that I don't think I've ever put a condom on someone else, but I mean, I love that for her. Um, and it was really good. And she even said things to us like, you know, something that I'll say today in today's episode, she was like, you know, always pee after sex. You know, you can always go for a little snuggle after, but don't forget. Cause like, it's not worth it. You might get a UTI. You don't want that. And like, she was just really funny. And so that was good. We had a few little tidbits there. Um, and we didn't talk anything really about relationships or when is an appropriate time to, or not have sex. We didn't learn about consent. I know that. And we didn't learn about anything really other than like STIs or I think STDs is what we said at the time. 
And yeah, that's basically it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much that I didn't know. I had so much shame around sex for years and years and years growing up in the church and just seeing women as being these sexual beings who weren't meant to be sexual. And we, we were sexy, but like we, we didn't have our own sexual side where we were meant to be like leaning into that. And I think as I started to get a little bit older, I was like, you know, obviously there's this part of me, I felt, you know, sexual things from a very young age, but I just always had so much shame around it. Um, and I've shared this before on the podcast before, but like even with masturbation, like I literally had like a calendar and I would cross off every single day on this fucking paper calendar on my wall. I would put an X if I masturbated that day and was like, that was a day that I failed. And it was like, like the calendar of shame. Like it was horrible. And I'm like, God, I wish I could have gone back and said all this shit to me then. So here it is for you. Number one, and this is actually a great way to start, ditch everything you know about virginity. Virginity, there's so much tied to it. Obviously very religious, very patriarchal, very heteronormative, you know, very just not what we want to be leaning into, but specifically around the idea of virginity, I want you to just like ask yourself what you think about it. If you would say something like, oh yeah, I lost my virginity at this age. Because I really think we need to challenge our language around it. When you say things like giving away your virginity or losing your virginity, it implies that you're not the one in control. It implies that it's a loss. And if anything, your virginity, which I would argue that it like doesn't exist, like I'm not someone who leans into that idea at all. But if you are to say, you know, I'm losing my virginity, I just think it's it's your first sexual experience. If anything, it's the start of like a journey. And it doesn't mean that it has to be amazing. It doesn't mean that it has to be this you know, beautiful first time, it could be anything. It could be, you know, explorative. It could be like a one night stand. It could, some people even have, you know, not the best experience with their first time. And all of that is, you know, not great, but fine. And I really think there needs to be a lot less pressure put around the first time of having sex. Doing anything for the first time is scary especially something that is so polluted socially. And there are so many social constructs and ideas around it that it can make it hard. But I want you to know that in actuality, like in reality, it's not this big, horrible, scary thing. It's just a new experience. And it might be painful. It might not. My time was not painful. My first time was not painful at all. Um, and some people are surprised to hear that. Some people are like, yeah, me neither. You know, it, depending on, obviously if you're, I'm talking to Volvo owners here specifically, if you know, with the whole pain situation. Um, but there's so much you can do to reduce that. There's so much you can do to learn about, you know, am I going to experience that? Like self-pleasure, for example, just, you know, this is so important. Like you can figure that out before being with someone. You don't have to like to test the waters for the first time with someone, you know, obviously, um, it's more of like a mechanism thing. Like, can this thing go into this thing? It's kind of just basic maths, you know, <laughs> it's not really like something you need to fear. And I just don't want people to fear it. Um, I think it's really important that you 
know that the state of your hymen will have nothing and can have nothing to do with sexual activity. Your hymen, when people talk about this, and this is what people for a long time thought was like a marker of virginity to the point that within a lot of cultures and unfortunately still very much within our world, there are people who are like really really abused and potentially literally killed when they don't have their hymen and this can be done wrongfully towards someone who either wasn't born with a hymen because that can happen or it was affected by other things non-related to sexual relations with anybody else um and people get hymen surgery to get their hymen put back in place it's basically just like a little layer of skin that sits towards the outside of your vaginal opening but some people don't even have it it's smaller on some people um you can try to look for it yourself but you might not see a lot like if you really want to um and it's just one of those things that we've given meaning to within our society, um, unfortunately, and from different religions and different backgrounds and all these different things, we've put so much pressure on this one specific part of our body that is meant to stretch, that is meant to heal, that is meant to adapt. It's your body. That's how it works. It doesn't break and then it's gone forever. That's actually not true. For years and years and years, I thought, you know, popping the cherry, whatever, all of that, that's actually all a myth. Did you know that? Isn't that fucking crazy? The fact that we've gone so much of our lives like using all the innuendo around it, thinking that this is how our bodies work, just deep down believing like, oh, I know it's not a big deal if I lose my virginity, but like, you know, he doesn't get that original like christening of my body on like our wedding day. Bullshit. Bullshit. It doesn't actually mean anything. And like, that's literally not how our bodies work. So sorry if you're learning this for the first time, but also not sorry because you need to know this about your body. Virginity is a social construct. It's not a medical condition. And that's what we need to get into our brains. I thought I would read you something as well really quickly from the Come As You Are book that I'm reading right now because I was literally reading this today and I thought this would be perfect. Um, It's just talking about how your hymen works and saying that it doesn't break and stay broken forever like some kind of freshness seal. If a hymen tears or bruises, it heals. And the size of a hymen doesn't vary depending on whether the vagina has been penetrated. Also, it usually doesn't bleed. Right? Because people always say, like, popping the cherry, oh, that's why you bleed. Eh, wrong. (laughs) It usually doesn't bleed. Any blood with first penetration is more likely due to general vaginal tearing, which can happen at any time of your life. It's typically due to lack of lubrication as well, rather than damage to the hymen. What does change when a woman begins having the hymen stretch regularly is that it grows more flexible. And as hormones change with the end of adolescence, around 25 years old, the hymen is likely to atrophy and become less noticeable if it was noticeable at all. And so a little bit TMI for you, but I remember when I first started having sex, I would bleed sometimes and it wasn't like this big gushing situation, obviously, and it wasn't even noticeable typically in sex, but I would just notice, notice, I would notice afterwards um, when I would just like go to the toilet that there would be like a teeny tiny little blood. Um, And that I think now looking back was just due to lack of lubrication because I wouldn't buy myself lube and I thought lube was shameful and I thought you shouldn't buy lube because, you know, you're meant to be wet and if you're not wet, then there's something wrong with you. Um, And that's also a myth. (laughs) Number two, 
It's normal to not orgasm with just penetration. A lot of people think like, oh, you know, he always comes, but I don't. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Because 75% of vulva owners can't. Like with just penetration, you're very likely going to need, you know, for the 25% that can, amazing, but for the 75% of us that can't, you're likely going to need some sort of external other stimulation. Usually that's going to be clitoral stimulation. That's going to make you be able to have an orgasm just because you have all those nerve endings there and this is going to be the most sensitive spot to lead you to orgasm Um, if penetration is not for you when it comes specifically to having an orgasm. And you can do that with so many different things. Obviously, you can do that with your hands. You can do that with a mouth, not your own, unless you are that skilled. And I love that for you. Oh my God. Pilates girl who? Yes. Um, But it can be with obviously, you know, our bodies. And then also so many toys can help with this. And Maybe for you, you've tried with like your fingers or, you know, you've had that self-pleasure experience and it just isn't enough for you. You might need to amp it up a little bit. And that's when something like a toy would come into play. Number three, your desire will likely change with your cycle. This is a really, really important one. I cannot believe that I didn't like wasn't aware of this until even in the last year. It was literally only in the last year that I've actually learned about this from actually reading In the Flow, which is the book club book, by the way. So if you want to learn more about this, read that damn book. But it changes as your body goes through the different phases. If you are not on anything that affects your hormones, like any kind of, um, if you're not taking any kind of hormones or you're not taking the birth control pill or anything like that, then you likely have some sort of menstrual cycle. It's typically around 28 days. There's four phases. There's your follicular phase, your ovulatory phase, your luteal phase, and then your menstrual phase or your period. And around ovulation, so about halfway between your two periods is when you're going to ovulate. Again, very rough estimate Everybody is completely different. Um, But this is when you're typically going to be more inclined to want to have sex when you're ovulating because this is when the egg is ready to have sperm come and impregnate you. So your body is naturally, obviously, trying to procreate and is like, yes, please give me sperm. I'm ready. I'm now's the time. And so you're gonna have all these things to do with ovulation. It's really interesting. All of the things that happen with your body around this time, the way your pheromones are working, the way you have this kind of natural glow, you tend to want to be more social. You have more energy. You have like less cravings around heavier food. You typically want to, you know, be more healthy in general. It's really funny how our bodies work and it can change. Obviously, it's not saying that you can only feel horny around ovulation, um, but you're likely to feel more increased towards it at that time. But if you really want to learn more about your desire and how that works, like Intricately, Come As You Are is a really good book for this because it talks about the way that our body is turned on and turned off and how it works differently in different types of people and really helps you understand how that works for you. So it's really important that you you know this. And it's funny, one of the people that reached out with uh, something that they said, oh, I would have liked to know this back in the day. Her name is Bethany. And she said this exactly. She was like, I wish that I understood why I was horny sometimes and why I was so not horny other times. And I felt that like, 
I used to have times where I'd be like, oh God, I just, I feel bad for my partner because I just don't want to have sex at all like this week. And then the next week I'm like, you know, every day I'm here for it. It's really funny. And once you start to understand where you're at in your cycle, you can really lean into it. Like plan to spend alone time with your partner when you're feeling it so that you can use it when you're feeling it and really feel that extra drive and you have that extra energy and you're going to be perceived even as more attractive, which is really funny. This is a bit more sciencey, but you are perceived as more attractive. Even the tone of your voice is perceived as more attractive to both men and women when you're ovulating. So I always think that's so cool. Every time I'm ovulating, I'm like, damn, I'm so sexy. And it's so funny like that we can know these things about our body, but so many people don't bother to track their cycles and don't don't really know what's going on with their body, but it really can help you to understand yourself more. And it's absolutely okay to not be horny every day and not want to have sex every day and not feel into it for like a whole week or two weeks at a time because your body's probably just doing stuff behind the scenes and it's so fine. Number four is always pee after sex. This is from the kind words of my health teacher in high school. Always pee after sex because it decreases your likelihood of getting a UTI, which is so, so common, a urinary tract infection, um, and thrush and all these other things as well. It's just really, really good overall vaginal health, and it's just really good for your body to be able to get out anything that you might have put in it. You dirty one. You dirty, dirty person. (laughs) So it's good to just release, get rid of anything, clear out anything, and then, of course, you have a natural mechanism, cleaning mechanism, I don't know what the word is, a natural system that your body has within it so that your vagina self-cleans. And so don't feel like you have to go up there and like wash it out. Definitely don't do that. Um, Your body does that all naturally, but make sure that you pee. Okay. Very simple, but very important. Number five, stop faking orgasms. Oh my God. This one. Okay. I get it. I get it. You feel stressed because you feel like you're taking too long. And then the fact that you feel like you're taking too long makes you even more stressed that you know that at that point, you're definitely not going to be able to have an orgasm to the point that you don't want to feel embarrassed. And you also don't want them to feel like you have something wrong with you or that they didn't do a good enough job. It like, I get it. Okay. I get it. And that's all happening in your brain at like a million miles a minute. But When you are teaching someone that you are having an ongoing sexual relationship with that you like whatever they are doing and that whatever they are doing is making you to have an orgasm, they're going to keep doing it. Of course they're going to keep doing it. And you are like falsely teaching them. You're teaching them how to work with your body, but you're not teaching them correctly. So the situation is not going to get better. It's only going to get worse because then what happens the next time when they do the exact same thing and it's just not happening for you, then you're going to be like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, uh-oh, what have I done? It's just so not worth it. You don't need to feed their ego. If ultimately you don't have an orgasm, that's fine. That happens. You might just not be there for it that day. Your body might just not be there for it that day. The way your hormones are working that day might just not be. It's fine. It's fine. But please, please don't fake an orgasm because it feels shitty. I know you know it feels shitty. And it's just avoiding actually communicating what you want with your partner. And it's, it's not communicating 
you know, truthfully with them. And I think that puts a wedge in your relationship and it's, it's not worth it. I get it, but it's not worth it. Okay. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking to myself, right? This is all points that are things that I wish I knew. Okay. These are things that I'm like, okay, yes. Once I stopped doing that, it made my sex life better. And that's why I'm telling you. (laughs) Number six, toys are not shameful needing or wanting extra stimulation or wanting to try to explore with certain things, not shameful and actually so, so fun. Okay. And if you are thinking, oh, like I would love to get a toy, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. And where do you even start? And I don't know, like, I don't want to invest in something if it's like not going to be good for me, but I get it. Okay. I get it. You can get discreet packaging from so many different websites. There's like Vush. There's a, a whole bunch. I mean, I could think of a bunch. I'll leave some in the uh, description for today's episode for you. Spicy, spicy person. Um, but you can go and find so, so much. You can find something small. You can start with a little vibrator or one of the, what's, I always forget what it's called. Like it like sucks the suction one. You can get one of those. That is like a huge fave of mine. Like there's just so much you can get. And it's definitely not shameful to want to try something like that. Like the, I think the older you get, the more you start to realize that like all of this stuff is just normal and fun and people love it. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. And I do want to say that if your partner is threatened by the fact that you want a sex toy or threatened by the fact that you want something other than them, I get the initial reaction of them thinking I'm not enough for you, but they shouldn't make you feel bad about it. You have a completely different body to them. It might work completely differently, even if you are both women. It's going to work completely differently. You have your own body with your own needs. And it's really important that you feel like you're allowed to explore your own pleasure and that you're allowed to get pleasure within that sexual experience and within your sexual relationship. It shouldn't just be, oh, I'm allowed to do this. It should be, yes, I want you to have this. I want you to get the things you need. Yes, babe, let's add that in. That's fun. And if you're not getting that response from your partner, I'm not saying you have to dump them on the spot, but I'm saying it would be really important that you have a conversation with them and explain to them, this has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with me and my body and the pleasure that I want. And you need to stand up for yourself and say, this is what I want and be very confident in that. I get that that can be scary, but you deserve it. You deserve pleasure. And for someone's ego to step in the way of that, it's just so unnecessary and ridiculous. And when it really comes down to it, you deserve so much more than that. Number seven, blue balls should not convince you to have sex with anyone. Ooh, this is actually a really big one. Really, really big one. The amount of times when I was younger that I honestly had sex with men because I felt like I had to because they would say things like, you're a tease or oh, you knew we were going to anyways or you know, oh, we can't just like make out, like I can't go on like this or like, oh, you don't understand, it actually hurts. Oh, it's horrible. It makes me sick to think about. And it is so common. It is so, so, so common. And if you've had an experience like that, I'm so sorry because a lot of us have. It sucks. It makes you feel like shit. It makes you feel like you have done something wrong and for some reason you owe it to them. You do not owe them 
anything, regardless of the situation. You could be butt-ass naked. You could literally be halfway through, like, a sexual experience with someone. You could already have been having penetrative sex with them. It can be at any stage that you are able to say, "Mm, look, don't want it anymore. Don't want it anymore. You do not have to finish them off. I'm so sorry I said that, but it's so true. And this is what happens is women will have so many experiences where they're like, okay, I didn't actually experience rape, right? But I was coerced. I was, I didn't feel like I could say no or I felt bad saying no. And so many women will hear stories of people who are, you know, victims of sexual assault and all these things. And it hurts them personally and they feel like they resonate with it. And they, for me, I remember I watched, um, what's it called? Um, 13 reasons why or something that, that, that show, you know, the tapes on Netflix way back when it it came out a while ago, but I remember watching that and watching the main kind of horrific scene where this happens to someone, um, while she is actually raped. And, Oh, I remember just bawling my eyes out and being like, oh my God, like I feel this, like it hurts me. And even if I hadn't experienced that to that extent, uh, you know, I hadn't really experienced that to that extent. I still was like, wow, this hurts women everywhere. And it is so important that you do not let anybody make you feel like you have to do something within sex. If you are thinking anything like, I just can't leave him like that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't leave him. Yes, you can. If you're thinking, oh, well, but I did this and I did this. Of course, he's going to want to. Who cares? Doesn't matter. If he says to you, oh, you don't understand. It actually hurts. Mm, Doesn't matter. Mm, Doesn't matter. (laughs) It does not matter. You own your body. You are in control of your body and you deserve to say no at any time. And if you feel like they're making you feel like you should do something, get the fuck out. Do not trust that person because that is a horrible, horrible set of beliefs that unfortunately has been passed down to them. But if they are at any age where they are having sex, it is their job to understand consent and to understand boundaries. Anyways, on to a more fun note. Number eight, lube is your best friend. Lube is really, really important. And a lot of people feel shame around it. Like, oh, I I shouldn't need it. Um, Please stop using spit. Okay. Spit dries so quick. We're going to do a test. Ready? Right now. I want you to lick your finger. Just do it. Lick your finger and put it on your arm. We're just going to leave that there for a second. Anyways, I think lube is really, really important. There's so many different types of lube. There's water-based lube um, or there's oil-based lube. Water-based lube is a lot better for toys. It's a lot more, you know, you can use it for a lot of different situations. Um, and oil can disrupt some people's pH. Um, some people can be very sensitive to lube. Oh, would you look at that? The spit is dry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, ugh. Please don't. It just is not, it does not do the trick, but lube, actual lube does the trick and will absolutely help with any pain during penetration, um, will help to reduce the likelihood of you getting any kind of vaginal tears and dealing with any bleeding or any pain or whatever. And so it's just really, 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 really helpful. And I wish that I used it sooner. I don't know why I didn't. Um, and now it's like the moment I'm, I'm into it. I'm like, where's the lube? Get the lube. Someone get the lube. Like someone, (laughs) but it is really, it is really, really important. And, uh, I wish I used it sooner. All right. 
Actually, you know what's a funny story? Somebody said they listened to my episode, one of my episodes once, and they literally went out that day and bought lube. And they were like, fuck yeah. Why did I think it was bad to buy lube? I should have never have thought that. I don't need to think this about myself. There's no reason why I, I don't, you know, there's no reason why I shouldn't need it or shouldn't want it. And uh, yeah, literally bought lube that day. And I thought that was so cute. So maybe that's you. Maybe that's going to be you. Maybe you're on your way home right now. Pick up some lube. Number nine, <laughs> sex doesn't have to be painful. And I have a whole podcast episode on this if you want to really get into it where I actually talk about the different issues that could be going on and like what to actually do. Um, I would just first of all say that if you are consistently having painful sex um, and painful penetration, a lot of people assume that it's going to be painful just because, you know, that's sex and good sex. You know, I can't even walk the next day because it was that good. Oh, that's good sex. It can be, sure, if you're into it, if you had a great time and you didn't mind that it was a bit intense because, you know, you were there for it, great. But if you actually are like, ooh, every time it's sore, every time I I can't have sex the next day because I need, like, days to recover. I was like that at one point. It is really worth going to go see a GP or your doctor or whatever that is. They might refer you to a pelvic floor therapist. It could be more of, like, an internal thing. Um, There's a lot of things, a lot of reasons. Endometriosis is another one. Um, Why this might be happening. Um, Or it could be something very simple, like lubrication. So, please do something about it and know that you don't have to be experiencing that just because a lot of people assume that that's how it's meant to be, but it absolutely does not have to be that way. And look, at the end of the day, if penetration ends up being something you absolutely cannot do, because that does happen with people, there's so much else you can do. There's so, so much else you can do. And if you're in the process of figuring this out, this doesn't mean that you can't have sex. This just means that maybe you're going to have sex in different ways and that's nothing to be ashamed of. Number 10, condoms should be a non-negotiable, I kind of would say specifically in casual sex, but look, people don't get tested as much as they should for STIs. They really don't. You can't ever really trust if someone does get tested enough. I know asking about it can be a little bit like, which is... It, you should. It would be good to ask. You know, maybe on a one-night stand, you're going out. You don't want to ask someone on that night. I get it. But it is great to ask. Um, for your sake, all of this, remember, is for you to protect you. It has nothing to do with um, shame around STIs and the way that we perceive it within our culture and whatever. It's more to do with the fact that you don't want to experience the physical symptoms and you're protecting your body. Um, and STIs can really, really affect your body and really put you out. And and it's, it's a horrible thing if you've ever experienced an STI. And thankfully, there's so many things that we can do now. And there's a lot of ways to heal from it or at least manage symptoms. And, you know, but especially vulva owners tend to show symptoms more of STIs. And I think when I was younger, I didn't understand that having an STI was often invisible. And I think because within our sexual education, we are shown these super graphic photos of like, this is gonorrhea. You don't want to get this. Here's a photo of a horribly mangled vulva. Here, you don't want this. Don't have sex. We just think, oh, STIs are horrible, but like people probably don't have them that much because people aren't just walking around like that all day. But people do a lot of the time. They're just invisible. And just because you don't see it on somebody doesn't mean that it's not there. And condoms are a really, really huge protective layer to help you to not get them. It doesn't mean that it's full protection, but it is a really, really big 
set of protection for you. Um, I would say pregnancy is definitely a risk, obviously, with having sex, regardless of if you're on the pill or using another form of birth control. No form of birth control is 100% effective. And it's just really great to have that peace of mind, knowing that there's a second layer there protecting you. And even in committed relationships, you know, even if this isn't just a casual sex situation, you never truly know. You never truly know. Okay. I'm going to give you some tea right now. I dated someone for a while. I hope that nobody knows who I'm talking about, but I dated someone for a while and we went on a break. We said, we're not going to sleep with anyone. We're going to take a break, figure out if this is what we want, whatever, whatever. Eventually three months later, we got back together. Okay. We had sex just like we had been for, you know, past two years or whatever. And we said, you know, this is great. We're going to stay together. We're going to work on our relationship. We decided to stay together. This man's, after being with me again for like almost a month, it was like a few weeks, almost a month, having sex with me, not using a condom because my dumb ass didn't know anything about sex education because no one taught me fuck all about it. Um he had sex with someone on our break. And I remember this, I've only had this happen, I think twice in my life where I've actually physically felt my body shut down. Like this heat that went through my body, the anger, the whole, this, the horrible feeling I had, it was like a sinking feeling in my stomach. And I've only had a few times in my life. And I remember it very, very distinctively that this happened. And I've actually never said this on the podcast before, but he gave me an STI. Everything's fine now everything's good. It's not an issue. It's, you know, fine. But he gave me an STI and I didn't know when he told me that he had slept with someone that he gave me that. Um, I didn't know. Um, but I found out within a few weeks and it was fucked. It was fucked. I felt horrible. I was in so much pain. Um, and it literally, was just the worst thing in the world. I remember he told his mom that I had it. He didn't tell her that he gave it to me. It created a a horrible situation there. I was so embarrassed. I'm in high school. Imagine I'm living with my family, whatever. I remember I knew that my dad knew, but I felt really uncomfortable even being around him, even just knowing that he knew that I had sex. Oh, just freaked me right out. My mom was amazing, fortunately, at the time and was just like really, I mean, she's still amazing, but she was amazing at the time and really helped me with it. And um, I stayed with him and it fucked my, my, like it fucked me up. It was horrible. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. And I trusted someone that I was in a committed relationship with that they, you know, were clean, that they didn't do anything, that blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't true. And it really, really, really hurt me. And I think people don't talk about STIs enough because there's so much shame around it. People don't talk about how common it is. One in two sexually active people will get an STI by the age of 25. Um, and it's it's just so, so common. And amazingly, you know, we have so much we can do about it. We know there's medication and you can get rid of STIs and some you can't get rid of for the rest of your life. And you may have reoccurring symptoms. And there's, there's a lot to do with it. There's a lot to learn about it. Um, but it is a really, really hard topic. And I do want to do a whole episode on it at some point. But... It's just something important to be aware of. And I know it's annoying. I know condoms can be annoying. I know it's like, oh, if you don't have one, what do you do? Blah, 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 blah. Again, just be prepared. Just get it ahead of time. It's the same thing with the lube. Get it ahead of time so you don't have to worry about it in the moment. You want to have fun. You want to enjoy the pleasure. You want to enjoy the experience. But you don't want to have to worry about 
anything like that happening to you. So take my advice and use a condom, even if you're in a, you know, committed relationship, because you never know. You never know. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I always overshare on this podcast. Oh God, I hope no one listens. Number 11, they don't see your flaws as flaws in a sexual context. Um, this is a thing that I just realized was something that I really cared about for like so much of my life. And even like up to the point of being with my current partner now, when we first started having sex, I was like, every time we had sex, I was like, legs are shaped. Everything is shaped. Everything has been like scrubbed, like like coffee scrub, you know, moisturized. I was glowing. I was glistening. I was a slippery little angel. That was like the way that I would show up to every sexual experience. And it would actually stop me from having sex more often because I always felt like I'm not ready. You know, like, oh, I'm not ready for sex right now. No, 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 I don't want to, even if I wanted to. And it's sad because you need to know that they, like these guys, they don't care. And if you're with a woman, she's definitely not going to care because she gets it. Like people don't see the little teeny things that you think they see, the little hair. Like, you know, when you go to maybe have sex with someone and you're like in the bathroom beforehand and maybe you're like having a little wash up, a little clean up moment, you know, freshen things up and you see like one hair that you left and you're like, fuck, oh my God, they're going to see it. Oh, what do I do? Do do I like steal the razor from this person's shower and use it? Oh my God, is that horrible? Do I, don't, just leave it. Okay. First of all, no, don't do that. Second of all, they're not going to notice. And if they notice, they don't care. Okay. You are literally butt ass naked in their presence. That's enough. (laughs) And if you're with anyone that makes you feel like you need to do any of these things, it's not going to be a good relationship. Okay. It's not going to be worth it. Anyone that puts pressure on you to present yourself a certain way physically, like to have makeup or even like, oh, I need to have lingerie or something like that. Like if you need to look a certain way for them to see you as valuable, um, what the fuck? No, no way. Please. If you want to do all that, have your hot girl shower, feel sexy. If it makes you feel sexy, um, then do that. And I've, I've realized that for myself, it makes me feel good and it makes me feel like, I don't know, good in my body. And so then I, it makes me want to have sex, but I, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be, um, a, like a priority or like a prerequisite to sex. It definitely does not. And they do not care. They don't care. And you need to stop putting that pressure on yourself. All right, sexy people, number 12. And this is our last one before we get into all the things that you guys have sent in. Number 12, consent is key. And I know we've talked about this already, but I really want to stress this point that enthusiastic consent is the only real consent. And that means, hell yes, I want to have sex with you, not... Uh, okay, fine. I will because you've been asking me all night. Mm, No, Mm, no, that's not consent. And consensual sex is the only real sex, right? There is no quote unquote non-consensual sex. That's called rape. Okay. That's not sex. That's rape. And coercion is not okay. Someone trying to get you to have sex with them after you've already said you don't want to is not okay. And it's really important that you do not continue relationships with people like this. You can say no at any time. Consent isn't one and done. It isn't like a check of approval before, you know, you sit down with someone and you're making out and they're like, do you want to have sex? And you're like, yeah. And then 20 minutes later, if you don't want to, oops, sorry, you've already said yes. No, it's something that is continuous and 
especially when trying things with a new partner along the way, it's really important that you're both making sure that you're both comfortable. And I think when it comes to communication, I think, yes, like consent off the bat is really important of like, do you want to have sex? Yes, I do. Sometimes it's very obvious and you don't need to have this like verbal conversation. Um, But I think if it's ever in question at all, there should absolutely be verbal communication on it. Um, I just think it's really, really important. And I think that we're not taught it enough. I don't think most people report that they haven't been taught it in schools. Um, and it's so important. It is so, so, so important. So please make sure you feel safe with the people that you're with. And please make sure that you are aware of what is not okay and that you hold yourself to a higher standard and you see yourself as more valuable than someone who is able to be like convinced to have sex with. It's, there's a, you know, there's the chase, there's, wanting to be desired. There's like having a long-term partnership with someone and them maybe wanting to a little bit more than you do in that moment. And you saying, okay, well, if you want me to have sex with you, I'm going to need this and I'm going to need this. Like, let's go. There's that trust that you can build with someone and it can become a bit of like a, you know, who's initiating and who's going for that chase that day and who's doing that. Yes. But ultimately consent isn't something that happens once it's continuous and it's so important. All right. Thank you guys so much for sending in all of your little tips and things that you've learned along the way. So we're going to get started with Lita, who said, I wish I knew that sex can be fun and lighthearted. Being able to laugh with your partner or whoever while being intimate can be just as bonding as the actual acts occurring. Porn makes it seem like it should be such a performance, but then purity culture makes it seem like something that is expected or owed from women. It doesn't have to be so serious. And I love this. I think this is so important and so true. I think something I haven't really thought about, like... I really used to see sex as such a performance. Like, how can I do X, Y, Z to make sure that they're thinking I'm hot and they think I did a good job and, like, you know, they think I'm, like, good at sex? Like, I didn't realize how much I was trying to, like, show that I was, like, good at it for so long. Um, (laughs) I don't know why. But now I really, like, it's just fun. And it's really just about, like, laughing and being normal. And I remember kind of realizing this, even in my current relationship, I said to Sam one day, I was like, I really want us to break out of this. Like the moment we're having sex, it's like, we're like character shifting. Like we're suddenly acting all weird and like acting all sexy and like trying to talk a certain way. Like, I just think it's weird. Like I don't want to feel this pressure. I don't want to have sex if every time I have to not be myself. And it wasn't because he did anything. It was just kind of something I think that we both have just been taught within, you know, as everyone is kind of our, our society that it's meant to be really serious. And, you know, you see stuff like porn and they're obviously actors and they're acting. And a lot of the time it's, it's very bad. It's very bad acting. And so you feel like you're meant to mimic that. And it's sad because sex can just be fun and explorative and you can laugh and you can just make jokes and not feel like certain things are off limits. Cause like, Oh, it's sexy time. It's just, it can be fun. And that's so, so important. All right. Alexis said, people should start their sex life when they feel ready. They shouldn't be pressured or shamed by their peers for being a virgin. Yeah, so true. You shouldn't feel bad. Like you shouldn't feel bad for having those experiences either happen later in life or just not happen quite yet. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't need to like get a certain amount of, you know, work or (laughs) a certain amount of experience like under your belt. Oh my God. Literally, you don't need to, you know, it's just something that needs to happen in its own time. And 
I'd really encourage you to not force yourself to have that experience early on because you want to not say you haven't had sex before. Like I know people will do this where they're like, I don't want to go to college as a virgin. So I'm going to make sure I have sex at least once so that like I'm not a virgin, but there's nothing wrong with it. And again, virginity is fucked up thing in the first place and not a marker of anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're not desirable. It doesn't mean people don't want you. It doesn't mean that you can't have relationships or any of the bullshit that we're taught. It's just purely like the fact that you have done something before or you haven't done something before. Like imagine if, I don't know, we did that with something really normal. Like I've never played soccer before. It's like, oh, you've never played soccer? Why haven't you played, why haven't you played soccer before? What do you mean? You haven't, but oh my God, like, but what if you go to play soccer and like, you don't know what to do? It's like, well, then I'll just fucking learn to play soccer when I learn to play soccer. Like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things and we don't need to put all this pressure on it. (laughs) Haley said, if they force you to shave or make yourself look perfect, run. They shouldn't care what you look like. Oh my God, yes, so true. If they're like, oh, I want this. I want you to look like this. I want you to do this. Mm, Nope, Mm, you have body autonomy. Mm it's your choice. They can fuck right off. (laughs) Okay. Alex said, no matter what protection you use, there's always a chance pregnancy will develop. You can reduce those odds, but they will never be zero. That's right, Alex. That's right, man. I know. And you got to be careful. You got to be careful because you definitely don't want to get pregnant. If you don't want to get pregnant, if you do want to get pregnant, then I love that for you. But if you don't, then do everything you can in your power to reduce the likelihood Charles said, choosing to wait until you are ready and in a committed relationship is a valid option too. And I like that he said too, because this was actually in reply to something I was saying about, you know, having sex casually with people. Um, And he was just saying, you know, that you can wait if you want to wait till you are ready and you're in a committed relationship. And that's what's going to make you feel comfortable knowing that it's going to be an ongoing experience. And you don't want your first time to be like with someone you don't know really well, or you don't have a loving relationship with. That's fine. You can wait until you have that. And if that means waiting a few extra years or like until a different season of your life, then that's totally fine. You need to set those boundaries for yourself. And I think if you haven't had sex before, then you need to figure out what you think you might want that to look like so that you don't, you know, make a snap decision because you're feeling pressure by somebody or by the situation or by the things that you've heard, you know, the messages around virginity from our society. It's really important that you kind of have an idea of what you want to do if you haven't had sex before and kind of just know like, you know, when the time is right, then the time's going to be right and there's no pressure to do it just yet. Mary said that the pill stops ovulation and pill bleeds are not actual periods. I was on the pill for six plus years from high school on and it wasn't until after I got off that I found this out. Oh my God, me too, bitch. Six years and I didn't know either. How funny. She said also that if you're not comfortable with having sex or doing anything in that realm with your partner, you shouldn't be doing it with that person. Yeah, so true. So, so true. Yeah, that's really interesting that she mentioned this. Um, My first, I think it's my actual first episode I've ever put out is all about birth control and how I came off of it and how I was on it for six years and how it affected my mental health and all of these things that I didn't know that it was affecting until I was able to come off of it. So really, really important if you're on birth control for you to know what's happening in your body um, and that it does stop ovulation. So what I was talking about earlier with 
that time of the month where you're feeling extra horny and you're feeling extra glowy and you have all this extra energy and all of that, that power that you get in ovulation, you don't get to experience that when you're on the birth control pill. Um, and I don't want to shame the birth control pill. I know the birth control pill is so important and has played a huge role in helping women and vulva owners to step into their careers and be a part of the workplace and go for the things they want to do in life. Like it is a huge tool and very, very important within the whole feminist, you know, coming out. What's, what would it be called? (laughs) The feminist movement. That's the word coming out. What? Hello. Am I okay? Um, it's really important. It is really, really important and it should absolutely be an option for anyone who needs it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be on it, but if you're on it, it's just good for you to know what's happening in your body so that you can help your body in other ways and support your body in other ways. Um, and to understand how it's going to affect your cycle, how it can affect your moods, how it can affect your gut health, and then learn to support those things in other ways. If you choose to stay on the birth control pill. Last but not least, Rosie said, women can enjoy pleasing themselves just as much as men. The idea that men have higher sex drives just isn't true. So fucking true. So true. Yes, yes, yes. I think that it's been so pushed on us that, you know, women are sexy and men are sexual and men need sex. And, you know, it's just how men are. You know how they are. Oh, they just need it. They just can't control themselves. No, no. We're not going to go with that anymore. They can control themselves and women have sexual desire and sometimes stronger than men. And sometimes you'll be in a relationship with a man and you will have a higher sex drive than him. And you can feel shame around that because you've been told that you're not meant to do that or you're not meant to feel that. You're meant to be like their toy to use when they want it. But fuck that. You deserve pleasure. You deserve to feel good in your body. You deserve to enjoy your sexual experiences in a consensual and fun way. And you deserve the world, babe. So go after it and do not let anyone make you feel bad for having a strong sexual desire because that is amazing. That is something that a lot of people work really hard to get. So good for you. That's today's episode. That's it. I hope you learned something. I hope it felt good for you. I hope that you feel encouraged in certain areas and you just feel inspired to have sex and have fun sex and have educated sex and feel good in your body. And if you guys, like I said at the start, don't follow, go ahead and follow the podcast if you like it. And um, I'm over on TikTok and Instagram at Alyssa Taylor Harper, which I'll link in the show notes for you. And that's it. If you ever want to DM me, if you want to talk about anything that I mentioned in today's podcast or anything at all, really, I answer all my DMs on Instagram. And so message me on Instagram and join the Facebook group. If you want to like talk to a group of people about something, we've had people post in that group before, just like, Hey, this is my situation. This is what's going on. And it's actually such a cool little community where people will comment back and say like, here's my advice on this. And it's really, really cute. And I'm so happy that that's happening right now because I just think we all need a space. We all need a space where we can go and be honest and ask for advice and just feel supported. And that's that. So thank you so much for listening. And Feel free to share this with somebody. Feel free to share this on your Instagram stories. Feel free to, you know, if you think someone needs this, if they need the talk, share this with them. That's it. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. (laughs)